This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash blue shirts breakaway today to get access to our BSBOT, ad-free episodes, and much more. Discord, etc. Support the show, buy us a coffee. You know the deal at this point. It's been forever. Today we have Molly Walker reporting live from an airport, joined by a screaming kid and some um, overhead announcements. But to be honest, it's a great interview, and she gives us a lot of insight onto practices and the vibes of the team. Something I think you'll really enjoy. Greg and I talk about the Seattle game and also the miserable Nashville game and uh, about a former coach of the New York Rangers a couple little few times. I mean, don't blame us. Just listen to the show. So without further ado, here's Mark Messier, the legend himself, to introduce us and let's get to it. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to another look at the Bush Breakaway. I am your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan, recording live from the road. Greg Kaplan, how are you? Say hello. Not on the road this time, at least. I know where I am. Yeah, that's um, true. If you were a BSBOT listener last week, Greg had no idea where he was, and he still <laughs> is live. Yeah, I, to this day, still don't know where I was. My phone's been doing weird things, though, so I think something happened where I had plans on Saturday at a buddy's house that I've gone to multiple times before. Uh, he's been on gambling with Greg a couple times, so he's familiar to the audience. But I've gone to his house enough times. You go, you know how you go enough where you recognize the route, but yeah, you, you don't still, need the GPS anymore. You yeah. still, well, no, you still need GPS because you know you turn left, but you don't really remember where you turn left. And yeah, there are multiple. That left? Yeah, so I still use GPS, and this time my GPS was like, "How about a whole new direction?" I was like, "Why? Why now? What are we doing? What? What? <laughs> what happened to you, phone GPS? Where now you're you're changing the script on me?" I, I, um, it's weird for me to have so many people be concerned about you. That, that's, I had a lot of people reach out to me. It's like, Hey, have you heard from Greg? It's like, why, why would I, why do I care? He's, he's probably I, four, alive. four different people texted me being like, Hey, did you get home? Yeah. Are you alive? I'm just like, I, did I sound concerned about where <laughs> yeah. I was? Yes. Yeah, actually he did. I mean, um, I, I was confused. I don't know if I sounded concerned. Me cutting out also probably did not help. Yeah, that, um, that was a. I, I cut some of it out, but yes, uh, the, the the cutting out and the random. Honest to God, there was a random person in the literal middle of the road. That was uh, reminds me of some of like those scary commercials where you just like yeah. it's like October. It's like, hey, who's that guy? Hey, come on in. Like, no, nah, I'm good. Uh, when we last left our heroes, they went uh, to play on another game in MSG where they were totally embarrassed by the Nashville Predators. A game there, no one showed up and no one cared. And then the exact opposite happened. They flew across the country. Got to Seattle, had a practice, and everybody showed up and everybody played 60-minute hockey in a way that we've only seen twice in the last three years. Uh, one being the first game of this, uh, oh, three games. The opener of last season, the opener of this season, and then this game. Uh, Gregory, mm. how do we not talk about Gerard Gallant for the next five minutes? <laughs> this is my legitimate question because uh, I don't want to come on this podcast every single week and talk about a former coach who's no longer in my life who... I talked about it for a long time, who I did not believe was a good coach at the time, mm-hmm. who I was down on during the hiring. Mm-hmm. But as a person who has become... you, By the way, you and I were on a bit of an island. I'm aware of this. <laughs> we, we got identified as Quinn lovers yes. um, at the end of his tenure. And our entire point was less that Quinn's a good coach and more that Quinn is just a hockey coach, which is league average, which is what we tried to warn people Gerard Gallant was and is. So... 
I don't oh, know. I, don't, I, I, we, I, I, I but I, I digress, Gregory, because he is not just that. He is worse. Yeah, I know, he is, right? He is worse because the things that were successful during Galan's tenure uh, was mostly that he didn't change the things that worked under Quinn, and then just didn't do anything. And players <laughs> liked that for a year. Didn't coach. He didn't. He didn't do he, anything. He did didn't nothing. Say, didn't say anything. Where he. There was no halftime speech to halftime. There's no in-between period pe- speeches. There was no, uh, hey, in this position, do this. And all of a sudden, you're starting to see, and look, Greg and I poo-pooed the, the Peter Laviolette thing. We, 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 didn't, we, didn't, we weren't so down on it, just so boring, just something we didn't want to do. And I cannot, I cannot tell you how more refreshed I am. Now, the team did not play well against the National Predators. You can, you can go ahead and say... That was a no-show from the Rangers. I can tell you right now, I do believe the Halloween party on Tuesday night had a little bit to do with it. That's just my two cents. I don't have any inside information. I just think that's a, that's a party the Rangers take very seriously every year. But they did not take the Nashville Predators game seriously. And then, they played the Seattle, Seattle Kraken at 10 p.m. on Eastern Coast time on Saturday night. Into what had to be one of the most dominant performances I've seen. With the lights out. With the lights out, Gregory. Where they had to switch sides every 10 minutes because the Climate Preach Arena doesn't have the ability to fix its lights. Uh, and didn't test it beforehand, which also feels pretty weird. But from top, like all three lines, all the top nine. And even if you would, whatever you want to say about Wheeler so far, which is probably not a lot. Um, the metrics are there for his line. There has been a lot of domination in that game. And Phil, uh, it was Philip Heedle's coming out party. And I think the, this one particular Molly Walker tweet, uh, I think said it all from, from this whole entire game was in the previous regime, Heedle, Lafreniere and Panarin had never really played together. And this is the first extended look they're getting. And uh, maybe there's a reason for that. Yeah. Maybe there's a reason for that. I, I I'm not, back I'm, to Gerard Blanton. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I missed everything that you said because someone posted oh, something that. in one of our Dynasty Slacks and it pissed no, me off immediately. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it, play Pokemon. <laughs> I have no idea what you just said. Do you want to summarize it for me real quick? Gerard Gallant. Yeah, I could do this. Uh, just no, no, don't do the whole thing again. People aren't going to no, listen. No, no, no. I'm going to do it very shortly. Okay. Gerard Gallant, Gerard Gallant bad. Yeah. Gerard Gallant never put Lafreniere, Heedle, and Panarin together. Gerard Gallant bad. Thoughts? Well, but you know what the crazy thing is? He did put Lafreniere with Panarin last year and it looked good remember that stretch to start Rob Luker goes on this point all the time um and pour one out for Rob he's having a hard week Bill's fans same goes for Woj tough guy tough for you guys I I, my my heart goes out to you doesn't really but whatever you don't need to hear that from me um there was that 15 game stretch when Lafreniere was playing right wing with Panarin with Trocheck in the middle and the Advanced analytics were good. Uh, they they had, I think, the highest goal share, uh, definitely of any non-Kako Zibanejad Kreider line, but I think it was the highest goal share for that period of the Rangers season in terms of line construction. Uh, it was, but, that's true. But it wasn't, it wasn't contributing actual goals. It was creating goal-scoring opportunities and, and giving up fewer goal-scoring opportunities than they were creating, but the scoreboard wasn't changing while they were on the ice. And right, that's there were, just... There were, pucks weren't going in the net, and that's correct. what Gerard Blank cared about. Exactly. Um, and then what happens, Ryan? Well, the Rangers didn't score, so then it must be that Alexis Lafreniere is uncomfortable on the right wing. He can't play there. He said it as much to me as Gerard Gallant says. Uh, 
<laughs> it's so funny to me, in hindsight, how you and I would come on this podcast and we would say things along the lines of Gerard Gallant is a liar every week. It, it's a running one of bit. the first things we ever said. Yeah. yeah. This man is a spectacular liar. Don't take anything he ever says seriously. I'll have to go back. Did we ever did we ever question that maybe he was also lying about Lafreniere being unable and uncomfortable to play on the right wing? We questioned it, uh, especially because Lafreniere, I do remember this particular quote to Vince Mercogliano of USA Today, lowhud.com slash Rangers. Uh, just so he knows I plugged this podcast on uh, on here. New I City, ever heard of it? Vince? Anyway, I'm not angry. Point is, he did say to uh, say to uh, Vince at one point, look, I'm, I'll do whatever it is for the team. I'm very comfortable playing right wing. And I know he's going to say, like, hockey players say everything that they want to hear. But if that's the information we're going with, and he's telling people candidly and behind the scenes he's comfortable playing right wing as long as he gets top six minutes, yeah, I'm pretty sure we question Gerard Gallant. Yeah. I, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not only that let's go a step further. How many times last year we were saying, and look, I like Vincent Trocek a lot, but even before we signed Vincent Trocek, we said, what was the big, what was the, the big talking point of the summer? Can Philip Heedle be two C on this team? Mm-hmm. It was all, it was all, all we were talking about because the Rangers, as we were convinced at the time, were not getting a seventh big contract. Uh, there was what we'd call the big six of contracts. It was Kreider, Mika, Zabinijad, Goodrow, Truba, Adam Fox, and I think, did I name six? I, maybe I'm forgetting somebody. Panarin? Anyway, uh, those big six contracts, were there There was no way to fit another one in. And somehow, some way, Drury went out and found a way to put Trocek on this team. But even then, before that happened, we constantly said we need to see Philip Hedl as a 2C in this situation because if he can thrive... And if he can be that, the Rangers can go out and get these different pieces for this cup run that they're going to need. Now, they got Vincent Trocek, which prevented him from playing the 2C role that we always thought he was possible of playing. Well, guess what? The talent showed itself on Saturday night in a way that I could not... Like We all kind of knew it was there. And if Phil can start producing like this consistently, which, by the way, I think he kind of has shown he's that player the first five games of the season. First four or five. No one showed up in the Nashville game. And he could just have that ability to be the game breaker that we all thought he could be on the contract. He was extended on by Chris Jury for four more years, which on it, it looks more and more like a steal every single day. Phil Peedle is the real deal. He could stick at, at two C and he, the coming out party of three goals. Uh, no, sorry. No, three points for him. And not only that, and I don't know if you saw this Gregory and please tell me if you didn't, he literally in the, in the hat celebration where he gave hats out said, I know I gave a big speech this morning. I need the tape. Where's the tape? <laughs> like, and he won. He won the media darling award last year. Like, Hedl is quickly becoming like a, a core. He's been here for seven years. He's the third longest tenured Ranger. This is sort of the Philip Hedl appreciation episode. Mm. But this is this is everything we've always thought he could be, and it's finally coming to be under a, the guise of a different coach. Who, by the way has taken his time to talk to every single person on this team, every line, every formation, paid attention to the nitty-gritty, and I cannot sing the praises of Peter Laviolette higher than I already have because I am all in on him as as of this moment. It will change. I will be pissed at him. I will hate him at some point, but it might just be because Gerard Gallant was so goddamn bad at his job, so awful to just deal with and cover, not that we ever got to ask him questions, but we got to analyze everything he said. And to go to somebody who actually communicates, who actually cares, who puts, who who's putting in the time is just like, uh, it's night and day. And I'm sure the players feel it too. Ryan, I hope you're sitting down. 
I am, unfortunately. Actually, first, before I go into this comparison that is going to just blow your socks off, um, you also need to bow down at the feet of Chris Jury. How did? How, why did Phil Heedle sign that contract? What, Wait, what, no, what I, did he do? You know what? I went back I, and looked. It was March 23rd, and you and I were just like, huh? <laughs> Phil Heedle signed, signed a contract? We did an OT. I actually listened to the first five minutes of it just to prep a little. And it, we were both baffled that he would sign a $4 million deal. Like, why on earth would he do that? Uh, maybe it was the inconsistency and the lack of points, but we all know the talent is there, so it's very confusing. Yeah, I, hockey, th- this is what, episode 420-something probably of this podcast yeah, we've done? Yeah, it is 420, nice. Uh, nice. Yeah, nice. once again, for the 420th Monday in a row, at least for me, I know you missed one. Uh, yeah. no, I think I missed two, uh, but I'm going to still call out here. Uh, yeah, I, you missed one though, buddy. You can't say you've done this 420 consecutive Mondays. So I was just no comment. point that no out. Comment. No comment. Um, that you can't comment. It's the fucking truth. I don't know how no to comment. tell you as a communications professional, I would advise you not to comment because that's usually what you say when something said is true. Um, yeah. Once again, hockey players need better agents. I, I just guys, come on. <laughs> I, I, I might not know contract law. I might not know every CBA detail that exists. These are holes in my resume, but I'm smart enough to say that number's too small and those years are too many, and that limits your earning potential as a young hockey player, a violent sport where your window is only so big. Um, get better agents. Anyway, the comparison I was going to make, Ryan, it's going to knock you out, so I hope you're ready. I've the given Mets? you an extra two minutes. It's a Met comparison. Okay. <laughs> the way you are reacting to Peter Laviolette I promise you, if you go back to podcasts taped around, I would say, May 2022, I was just saying the same shit about Buck Showalter. Like, verbatim. The Mets went from Luis Rojas, who... Rojas and Galan are different, where Rojas was probably trying too much, was, was trying to be too much, and therefore confusing his roster and not allowing his roster to thrive in the way that it was, but he was also not preparing them for a nightly basis in the way that he should. And then the Mets transitioned, went to details-only coaching. I'm going to make sure you guys understand every nuance and nitpick in this rule book, and we are going to be the world's most prepared baseball team. No one will take that away from us. That's going to be our MO. And the Mets won 101 games with largely majority the same roster than they had the year before. What did the Rangers do here? Gerard Gallant didn't do poop, did nothing, didn't prepare his players, trust his players to be his players, and that the results would be there on the ice. And now they're going to the guy that's like, I trust you guys to be players, but also maybe we go in with a game plan and see if that benefits us. And it's it's the, the extra 15% that Peter Laviolette is doing. You know what Gerard Gallant is? No, I don't, and I cannot wait. Oh, I don't even... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if that pause was because I'm in a hotel and you didn't hear me. Gerard, no, Gallant, I heard you. Gerard Gallant is the coaching version of Julian Gauthier. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's 80, he's 80% a coach. He does 80% of the job. But that final 20% that you actually need to be successful at that job, he lacks it. He's but Julian Gauthier in coaching form. on him because he looks good uh, going to the net? Uh-huh. It's like that's – it's not that bad of a comparison. I am sitting down and I almost stood up because – it does – look, you can get fooled into looking at the results. You could say Gerard Gallant took the Vegas team to a cup. He did, did something special with Florida. He took the Rangers to two of their winningest seasons in history. 
Those are all true facts. You could sit there today and say, I like Gerard Gallant. He did this. You'd be wrong. Because if you watch, if you watch everything he did to this team, and I'm sure Vegas fans might tell you something similar. Before we, before he became the Rangers coach, we went out far and wide to try and find anybody to say something bad about Gerard Glant. We could not. And the reason is because there's nothing really to say. He doesn't, he doesn't really coach. And it's super clear to this day, and I'm sure, I, I don't know if he, ever, if he ever listened to this show or his wife listened to this show or what happened, because that man definitely read Vince's articles. That is for a fact. But no matter what happened, the changes, the adjustments were never there. And, and the adjustments are happening now on a day-to-day basis in ways. And the trust, uh, the adjustments that he made were, were, out of, were out of fear, were out of spite, in weird ways to, to, make, to, to switch the lines, to do all these things. Yes, the, the, the Rangers had a bad game in Nashville. No doubt about it. I don't need, I don't need to say anything more about it. Peter Laviolette stuck with the, the Heedle, Laviolette, uh, Laviolette, the Heedle, uh, Lafreniere, Panarin line, because which needs a name, by the way, really, really does, quickly and badly. Uh, he stuck with that because that's the way his coaching style is. There's a little bit of trust and communication building. Like we think this works. We actually have data. We, we've talked to the players. This is working for us. We're, we're, I know it sucked this night, but it was compete. We got to go out there and do it again. And that line, uh, we talk, we kind of have this little conversation every year. Like, is it one of the most dynamic lines we've seen in a while? But I will say it just has seen, it's just created the most chances so far this season. It has been the most electric on the ice of this season. I don't know if it's been the line, but Panarin is playing at a, a different level. He clearly, and I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong here, Greg, clearly hated his time with Gerard Glantz, similar to other players on this team. He's, uh, I, I keep harping back in my mind to the stupid shift from the blue line quote from him, where I, it just felt like a shot at Gerard Glantz. It still feels that way because he's not doing stupid shift from the blue line now, and my man is scoring. He is shooting in a way that he was not before under Gerard Glantz. And to wrap up the glam bubble here and to say his name for one final final time in this next 30 seconds before I say it again, everything that happened under him, and I, whether it was Vegas, whether it was Florida, whether it was New York, was all out of spite towards him. And <laughs> you cannot tell me differently. You can't. You cannot tell. I'm convinced. It is spite out of hate for the man and pride for your own game that those things happened. And Igor Shosturkin is another reason. <laughs> He's the only reason of which you, by the way, properly credited because I tried at multiple times to give Gerard Gallant credit over the past two years, and boy, do I take it back. <laughs> I'm so pissed. I'm sorry. Well, I don't know, man. You're just you're not used to rooting for flawed organization. Well, I take that back. You're a Tampa no, Bay Rays fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know the the Panarin stuff. It's just it's so easy because the only difference that this sounds bad and it sounds like a shot at Artemi Panarin but I promise it isn't the only difference in his game that's noticeable on a night-to-night basis is he's trying harder this year but at the same time I think he's being empowered to try harder I don't think it was a lack of effort last year or uh from Artemi Panarin that had us questioning some things I just think Gerard Gallant put him in a box and Artemi Panarin was working so hard to fit in the box that Gerard Gallant put him in where it wasn't allowing him to be as adventurous, free-flowing, creative on the ice. And it's, again, these guys are human. If you're being forced into a role that is unnatural to you, what you like to do, what you want to do, even if it's just offensively, it's going to impact you everywhere else. You're not going to play with as much zest and determination defensively if every second you're on the ice all you're worried about 
is how you're going to have a successful shift in the eyes of your coach. It's an unhealthy work environment. It's going to impact your work. I don't care if you're a hockey player. I don't care if you're a UPS driver. I don't care if you work in communications. I don't care if you work for a nonprofit. I don't care if you do whatever the fuck it is you do, Ryan, for a living. Like, it's going to impact you. If you have a boss asking you to do something that is so narrow and so rigid that you're not going to be able to do other things outside of that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's to me, Heedle, we're, we're, what we're seeing from Heedle is a natural progression. We were seeing some of this last year. It's taking a step forward. Lafreniere, what we're seeing to me is, a, is what would have been a natural progression if he had a coach the last two years. But from Panarin, this isn't a natural progression. This is like regressing to the mean positively where he's playing a, but I, I, I'm curious to you. I think he's playing the best hockey he's ever played as a New York Ranger right now. And I, I know he got heart votes his first year here. I think part of that was he was so different from what we've seen before that. I think we were just in awe of what he was doing, but what he's doing this year to me is the best hockey he's played as a New York Ranger. It's the most complete game. He's making the players around him better. Um, and, and maybe it's because the players he's playing with this time have long-term assignments with the Rangers and are important to this team's overall future growth that I think this is his best hockey. But I I just I don't think it's close. I think this is clearly the best Artemi Panarin's ever looked in this uniform. I think they're the only other time you can make a comparison to him was what you said already. It was his first year when he got hard votes. And when you talk about Peter Laviolette empowering him, I sort of look back to David Quinn. Here it comes, old Quinn defender, right guy. Because David Quinn, whatever you want to say about him, man, the two things he actually did was empower Mikos Vinojad and Artemi Panarin. Now, did he depower everybody else? Hell yeah, buddy. Uh, but he, oh, one more player, Adam Fox. He also let Adam Fox do his thing and become the player he 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 became today. That might have happened no matter what with Adam Fox. He's just a god. But in in terms of uh, players, he did empower. It was just Mikos Vinojad and Artemi Panarin. In terms of Everybody else, I get it, not so much. But you're seeing the exact same, like, what Panarin did under Quinn. You're kind of seeing him play the exact same style now. Now, I know Gerard Glant went on on, on file uh, with the reporters saying, there, look, nobody in the NHL has a system. Everybody plays the same thing. It's all the same garbage. Go out there and play. Clearly, that's not true. And we're, we're seeing that through five games. And you're, you're look, you're, as a fan, you're allowed to kind of beat, beat the team up when the team doesn't show. I I implore you to to say that, but I also like the games that they're going to have in the next couple weeks here. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised because this is a different team. What did I say on OT, Ryan? I I listened. You said it's game four, my friend. That's I listened you to your rant. I I appreciated your rant. I understood your rant because you don't want to watch bad hockey any night of the week, especially if you pay the money to go to the game. I get that. But I, every time you said something, I didn't really have a rebuttal. Game four. I just kept telling you it was game four. And that mm-hmm. the New York Rangers, even if they have a great year, are going to lose 28 more games. And in those 28, I promise you, probably four of them are going to look like Thursday. They're just going to be stinkers. Um, and, you know, the benefit of hindsight, I think it's safe to say that, you know, the Rangers had a team bonding event a couple nights before that maybe they were tired from. And maybe 
more simply, this was a team looking towards a Western Conference road trip that was going to uproot them for the next couple weeks, and maybe that's where their minds were, and they weren't quite thinking about what is widely regarded a pretty bad hockey team down at Nashville. They overlooked their opponent, which you can't do even in the National Hockey League, and got burnt by it. At the same time, I, I kept telling you, buddy, it's game four. It, it's it, This team, for the most part, I think we were encouraged by what happened. They lost to Columbus, but we were encouraged by things that happened in that game. Obviously, they beat the Coyotes. Coyotes are a little feisty, by the way. They went out the next night and gave up one goal to the Islanders. So the, yeah, they're but- not the train wreck, awful hockey team. I think you and I just kind of assume the Coyotes are at any point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they beat the Devils a couple nights before that. So feisty hockey team. I can appreciate a 2-1 win against them. And then Thursday was the stinker. We haven't talked about Jonathan Quick on this podcast. I, th- that game on Saturday is why I'm kind of cool with Jonathan Quick as backup goalie. They played a complete hockey game where the goalie wasn't going to make the difference anyway. It, it could have been anybody in there. It could have been anybody. And it's not a shot at Quick. Uh, his first, he was definitely jittery, a little nervous, you could tell, like overslid. You know, but I saw people like being like, ah, this guy, man, that's like, why is it like, I was like, yeah, I get it. It's like Jonathan Quick is not the best goalie in the world. But when you play, when the Rangers are playing like that, it doesn't, doesn't matter. And that's the whole point. Like you're just getting, you're getting Igor nights off. Not like Igor has been lights out, by the way, so far. Um, But Igor's going to, Igor's going to turn it on and he's going to be himself the rest of the season. He'll definitely ramp up similar to way Hank did. And he'll be unstoppable once again. But for right now, like Quick is just a backup goalie. If it really goes sour, if it really goes bad, they'll find another way. Uh, and kudos to quick he, he did his job what else do you want to say yeah i a lot of people i understand why people make a stink about quick i i did notice this though uh, i i never had a problem with signing jonathan quick i don't spend a lot of time thinking about that cup final it, do, it doesn't haunt my dreams it's probably not That's me <laughs> well, well, listen you're yeah i don't know what to tell you i like yeah the the i don't know if it's a top 10 haunting for me uh, in terms of things that have happened to me in sports. where I, it, I, Well, that's fair. I, I, knowing your other teams. Yes, go on. <laughs> I, But I'm honestly, I'm more, in, I'm more impacted by the following season than I am that, uh, that I, cup I final. I think the Lightning one is worse. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So quick, quick doesn't bother me when I'm just like casually talking to you about the Rangers. I'll be like, yeah, whatever. He's a backup goalie. I don't care. I Watching the game on Saturday, I found myself trying to text something tweet something nice about Jonathan quick. And I was like, huh, I don't really know if I can. I was trying to think of, I, I was honest to God trying to think of a met equivalent for it. I don't think I have one. Uh, the closest I could probably think of, there was a half season there where Jeff Francoeur was a met. And I was like, this just doesn't feel right. I don't no, know. I don't know what this is, but I feel like I'm in someone else's clothes and I'm not quite enjoying it. And that's like, Quick was playing a fine game. Didn't do anything spectacularly. Didn't do. Didn't make any critical errors. Was a man who merely existed. Um, and yet, I went to tweet something nice about him. I was like, "Fuck him, still." Yeah, I think. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's uh let's get to to our guest, and then we'll come back and do some five star questions. Uh, so before that, let's do an ad from our sponsor. If you want, by the way, before I read this ad from our sponsor, uh, I'll just say it in the ad. All right, Tran. Ayo, I'm here to tell you about TickPick, the official season-long sponsor, that's right, of Blue Shirts Breakaway. Let me tell you why I love TickPick, but before I do that, if you go to my Twitter, 
That's right. I'm still calling it Twitter. Orion Mead. I posted a tick pick giveaway. I am now going to do it right before game time on Tuesday night. If you retweet it, if you follow tick pick and you saw you have a tick pick account, you can win free New York Rangers tickets. That's right. That's all you need to do. Go to my Twitter, retweet it. Have a tick pick account, follow tick pick easy enough. What else can you do on TickPick? That's right. You can get tickets with no fees. That's my favorite part. You go to the app. It grades them by scores, such as A-plus seats. Pick the... It uh, doesn't have to be for Ranger games. By the way, it could be for anything, but we're doing it for Ranger games. And if you just pick it by the, the score it is, you can get the best deal, the best price right up front. No fees. That's right. You get to see the price, what you're going to pay at checkout. What can we do for you? We will tell you. If you use the code BLUESHIRTS15, you get $15 off any purchase in the app over $99. That's right. Each account gets $15 off any purchase over $99 with the code BLUESHIRTS15. That's a Blue Shirts Breakaway exclusive for TickPick, our ticket sponsor we love. So make sure you go retweet that for a chance to win Rangers tickets. Tuesday night's the drawing. This podcast comes out Tuesday a.m. Plenty of time left. And use Blue Shirts 15 when you're on checkout for a little bit of discount on Blue Shirts Breakaway. Okay, back to the show. Hey, we're back with our first and only guest, Molly Walker of the New York Post, and also up in the blue seats, where you can find on any podcast app anywhere. Molly, how are you? Good, guys. You got me live from from the Seattle airport, waiting for my flight to Calgary. (laughs) Uh, Are your vibes as good as the Rangers? I mean... You should have seen them coming off the ice today. They look like they had played a game. <laughs> so uh, I don't know about the vibes there, but I mean, they love it apparently. So I think I think vibes are high all around. <laughs> can, can we just start with the vibes talk? It's kind of weird. Yeah. I, I think I grilled the shit out of you last year when you came <laughs> on this podcast. And I was like, look, the vibes are off. You know, yeah. you, were, you were like, I don't know, man. Like, the, they're still good. There's good guys in there. I was like, no, right. I don't believe you. Like, yeah. the, the vibes are bad. And then this year, it's just been, uh, it seems like, rejuvenated a breath of fresh air like is is that the real feeling or is that just social media tricking us no i mean yeah absolutely but you know what you could say the same thing about when when gerard gallant came in after david quinn you know that was a breath of fresh air too but you know it definitely is a different kind of vibe it's definitely a different vibe than than the dq area the the dq era than the turk era um it's just Look, these guys are are hugging at the end of every practice. <laughs> you know, like they're coming together at the end of every practice and having a big group embrace at center ice, no matter where they are, no matter whether it's a morning skate or regular practice. It's just a different kind of vibe, and I think that it's it is stemming from from Laviolette down, and and that's something that I think everybody knew about him coming in is that you know he's known for being a motivator and being a guy that can bring teams together. Um, so I think that it's just been, you know, in, in such a small body of work, that's exactly uh, what we got going on here. I mean, I've never seen a team embrace at the end of every practice like these guys do, and it's very endearing. I like it. Molly, let's stay on the practice topic. Why don't we? Uh, yeah. Can you talk to us about how the fact that it's happening this year? <laughs> Look, we're we're not going to spend the entire show. No, 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 These, no we're not. We come did. on, we 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 had no, we had to make we had to make the joke once. I know what you mean, but but I you know obviously we we've tried to be cognizant of it because we obviously don't want to do that. And I mean, one hundred and ten points, one hundred seven points, you just can't argue it. But yes, it it, it is 
night and day when it comes to the practices. I mean, you never really know with this coach too. Sometimes they could be going for an hour and a half, almost two hours. And, but at the same time, you know, I was actually talking about it with Jonathan Quick today for as hard as he runs them every practice, he's given them days off as well. And Quick said that he felt like it's a, it's a really good balance, but when they're out there, they are, it is full speed ahead for every single drill. But it's also the competition that he's fostering within the practice. I mean, it. I know that, you know, a lot of coaches do this where, you know, the losing team has to do push-ups or whatever. But I even think there's even more going on because after every goal, after every big play, whoever team it happened for is jumping up and cheering, you know, like they're all so engaged and so into it. It's just, it's a really good environment that he's, that he's brought on here. Do you hear that in the background? Yeah, I sure do. <laughs> he's all in on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, he, he agrees. He agrees. The team's, that, that team rules. That the, 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 the team is, is definitely engaged. And um, yeah, the real, yeah, no, been, the real question nice now is, the real question now is that kid sitting next to you on the flight to Calgary, you think? Uh, you better fucking hope not. <laughs> Can you say that on this show? I don't oh, know. God. You know, you know where you are, Molly. Come on. I know. I love it. <laughs> come That's on, why man. I come on, guys. Thanks. Um, look, everyone loves getting hugged except Capo Caco. Have you heard anything about that from him? Really? No. Okay. Cool. Um, let's talk about the people on the ice, or rather, yeah. the players. Um, on Thursday night versus the Nashville Predators, I would say it was a lackluster performance. Place where the the Rangers really didn't show up. Kind of, a, I would call it a, a straight up no show. Mm-hmm. How would you say the players sort of responded? I know Jacob Truba came out and was like, look, that's not us. We're not that. Um, and Truba, by the way, was playing very well this year. Yeah. Um, uh, everybody and everybody on the team decided in Seattle, hey, actually, we're pretty dominant when we want to be. <laughs> um, so what was that like the practice after the bad loss like? I mean, it's it's difficult to say that there's anything different because it's been the same since wow. day one of training camp, truly. Like, I, that's what I'm trying to tell you guys. Like, it's every single day, every time they go on the ice, even morning skate, the sort of drills that they're doing are just different. They're they're unique. I mean, even today, they, they did this drill where they were in the corner and they had the goals close together facing the corner so it was a lot of board work and a lot of competitive play in the corner but while also scoring on like in in unusual parts of the ice just just very unique different kinds of drills so I mean but you know like you said obviously everybody was very disappointed after the Nashville loss and and that's you know that's been a bit of a trait for this team is the fluctuating effort you know but I can tell you right now that is something that Peter Laviolette does not tolerate and I think it was also a breath of fresh air for them that the lines were not put in a blender immediately after a loss like that and I wrote after the loss actually that that was going that that game was going to put that that testament that to the test you know and he did. He didn't make any changes. He, you know, felt like he needed to give them a chance to respond, and and he stayed true to that. So, uh, they were able to go out and do that in Seattle. Before we start talking about the individual lines, because I do want to get into them, I a lot has been said about the Rangers' play structure at the beginning of the season. I know everyone now understands what a one-three-one is, myself included. But right. the thing that's <laughs> caught me most off guard is not just how dominant the Rangers have been, but how controlling they've been with the puck in the offensive mm-hmm. zone is that something yeah. you've been picking up in practice as well in terms of drills uh skate work p- 
positioning, what have you. It's just, I mean, all the numbers are out there today. The Rangers are second in the NHL in offensive time possession, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I mean, to me, wasn't expecting that. That's not LaViolette's track record. So what? how has that caught you off guard? Is that something we need to be paying attention to in these side sessions and practices? Well, that's the thing. You, you talk about LaViolette's track record, but he's also a guy that understands the team that he has, I feel. And I feel like he's coached them accordingly you know this the way that this team is built is is different than a lot of other teams in the nhl just in terms of being so top heavy and and having probably more skill than than you know grit or physicality whatever word you want to use oh my god i'm so sorry about (laughs) that that kid Um, hates the word grit he's on the right podcast (laughs) no but you know what i mean i think that he's coaching them to their strengths i think that he has given them a system that is going to foster, you know, Capo Caco's ability to hang on the puck for a minute at a time. You know, like he, the way that it's designed, you know, it's, it's fostering their strengths and, and, and what they're capable of. And I also think that's, that's a coaching thing. I really do. And, um, yeah, they've just been, they, you're right. I think that they've been so controlling and dominant in the offensive zone and the numbers have definitely proven that. Um, and I do think that it is definitely coming coming from LaViolette and the structure. But, you know, I, I know Larry was saying to me the other day that he, you know, he's never seen the Rangers be coached the way that they're being coached right now. It's it's just it's different. It's, Dude, it's for a Larry to say that, though, that's a big statement. Yeah, like that exactly. is <laughs> that's not a joke. Yeah, exactly. Let's get into the lines, as Greg said before. Um, I don't think we've really ever seen, and I think you wrote about this too. I think I, think I referenced one of your tweets earlier in the show. I can't hmm. remember. It was hours ago. Um, where Hedl and Le- Alexi Lafreniere and Panarin have never really played together before. Yep. And yet they look uh, dominant. <laughs> I don't, yeah. They look electric almost every single time they take the ice into the zone. Um, I just don't see that breaking up for a very long time at this point. Yeah, I mean, I called them a revelation in my Seattle game story. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy when you think about how many different line combinations that this team has gone through and that the Panarin, Heedle, and Lafreniere have never started on a line together ever or have extended time next to each other. I mean, that Philip Heedle, Artemi Panarin, you know, feel like a lot of us have been dying to see that for a couple of years now and it's just never been put together for whatever reason whether they feel they felt like they needed to spread out the wealth and whatnot but I mean it's second line center Philip Heedle man like he has arrived and and that's what I think everybody has been expecting for for a little while so I, I mean Laviolette was talking about how he actually was saying it today that, you know, when he first came in, he knew that 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 Phil and, and Capo and Lafreniere had spent a lot of time together and that there was pre-existing chemistry there. And then it was just kind of a matter of plugging Artemi there on the left. And like I said, what a revelation. I mean, they have been flying up and down the ice every single game, far and away the most threatening line every single night. Um, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. I think that that could be a really good line for them that goes the distance this season. Uh, Molly, I know you wrote about this either today or yesterday in the post, shouting out your own work there. That's what I do. That's <laughs> called good podcasting. Artemi Panarin. Ryan yeah. and I talked about him earlier in the podcast. My question for you is simple. One, is yes. this the best he's yeah. looked in your eyes as a New York Ranger? And Not two, talking about the hair. Not talking about the hair. Well, two <laughs> is if this is the best Artemi Panarin has looked as a New York Ranger, is it fair for us to be critical of the fact that he should have cut his hair sooner? <laughs> no, I mean, look, I... 
I do think that this is this is one of the best that he's looked. But you know, he I was looking at the numbers. He did have a fast start last season too, and you know, this is a guy that is a ninety point player, and and the Rangers don't go anywhere without his performance in the regular season, which I know that everybody wants to, you know, say it doesn't matter until the playoffs that, you know, all that matters is the playoffs. But in reality, it does matter because the Rangers do not get to the playoffs without Artemi Panarin. So I do think that not only does he look different physically, which, you know, I can't even tell it's him on the ice anymore without his curls. And I told him that, Um, but he definitely looks lighter you know just like a little bit more you know free I guess just not as burdened with pressure and and I think I think that that you know definitely maybe it it is because of the of the haircut you know maybe it is because of a new coach coming in with a new outlook and this is a guy that's gone around to every single individual player and makes a point to have conversations with every single one of them about you know whatever it may be and I think that that goes a long way with the with a team that responds to that and I think this team was starved for that a little bit toward the end of last season. So no like we've like we've said, breath of fresh air. And I think that they've really, really taken to, you know, that type of coaching. So I, I, I do think that Artemi has um, really benefited from it. But uh, yeah, we we were talking about the haircut today, actually, because I, I wasn't there the day that he did the scrum about it so i had my own sets of questions so you, you can look out for that that's online right now <laughs> yeah molly i uh from now on i'm just going to go around saying i am not bald but free of burden and pressure <laughs> off my shoulders <laughs> there you go there you go <laughs> what, a, what a way to react greg uh i'm going to do a little bit reporting on my own here or try and just be an investigative journalist uh, as i am as you know molly um <laughs> philip talked about the speech he gave a team yes the best his english has been in seven years can you give us any information on that oh. at all I wanted to ask around today. I did, um, and I'm going to. So I I, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything because I did. I did catch that in the little video, and I will find out. Hopefully, um, maybe tomorrow morning before the Calgary game. This is good news. This is great news. (laughs) I got Um, you. Yes. Uh, Let's let's go to the first line as that kid is aptly telling me to do. He's like, "Got to talk about Capacaco, man. That's a thing." I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm on it." I think that first line in general has looked generally pretty good as well. Mika, we call it the boyfriend syndrome. Uh, no offense, <laughs> no offense to Kreider and Mika, but they've just been together for, on the line together forever. Um, and and I, I just don't see them ever breaking them up. But Kako looks like a different player yet again in his career. I'm not sure how. Um, but this time he looks, um, the confidence is finally there. He seems like he's not double thinking shots like should I take this or should I not he's not deferring to Mika or Kreider in ways he used to he's not just a puck retrieval guy anymore um how have you seen his game change just in these first five games definitely 100% and I think I I wrote about this even before Laviolette got on the ice with them but I had a feeling from what I had heard about Laviolette's system that somebody like Capo Caco was going to do very well within the system just because it it does create opportunities for long stretches of puck possession, which, as we all know, is his signature trait. So I had a feeling going into it that he was going to do well within the system. But I also think that, yeah, it's another year older. It's another year stronger, another year, you know, of experience in the NHL. And I think all of that factors into it. And I, I honestly, I feel the same about Alexi Lafreniere. I feel like he has looked uh, pretty good. And I do think that's definitely a byproduct of his line. But, you know, Laviolette said that he wanted to get those guys top minutes. 
And that's what it's always been about, isn't it? Like, isn't it's, that isn't that what everybody has been saying for, for years? For years, buddy. For years. Yeah, for years. So it, it it's it's nice to see a coach come in and 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 actually do it, but not only do it, but stick with it. And I think that's what's been missing. Um, but it's look, it's a tough market. It's a win now market. So it's hard to fault the previous coaches for being reactive because they're so focused on winning the next game. You know, I think Laviolette is somebody who could come in and, and put it all together. You know, obviously it's early days, but you know, that just seems to be what he's building towards is is a foundation. And and that's so important, especially for a team that kind of faltered in the playoffs last year. You know, they want to go the distance. It starts day one of trading camp. And that is a message that was coming from not only LaViolette, but Chris Drury as well. So I think it's something that they've really maintained through the start of the season here. Molly, it's been mostly sunshines and rainbows outside of <laughs> Thursday. And you could say the Columbus game. But one thing Ryan and I have noticed is that Blake Wheeler has been a little, it's not even quiet, absent in the third period for a couple games yeah. already. Do you think this is Laviolette trying to save Miles on his legs or is something something else going on there that we should be sniffing around? No, I definitely think it's probably a combination of, of managing a 37-year-old player, 100%. Um, but also, you know, he's double-shifting Artemi Panarin in that space, which he said, so long as Artemi Panarin is going at the rate that he is, he's going to give him the extra ice time. I looked it up today. Panarin is leading the entire, all Rangers forwards in ice time, average ice time per game. And, you know, that's because he's looked the way that he's looked, but that's also LaViolette managing game situations and riding the hot hand, which is, you know, self-explanatory. You know, that's that's something that should be done. So I think that I do think that Wheeler is 37. He looks a little bit like he's 37. You got a guy like Artemi Panarin who's just absolutely blazing right now so naturally you know you're gonna go with the hot hand so i do think it's a combination of both but you know you're not the only ones seeing that for sure i do the, the only thing that raises the extra level of curiosity to me is will cooley is mm. someone that isn't being told to relax a little bit and is even being asked to play on the right wing when panarin is being double shifted and cooley himself said before this season i don't think he's ever seen ice time yeah. <clears throat> on the right wing that's the only reason to me why it was curious but yeah i'd you could make. I mean, Blake Wheeler doesn't hasn't necessarily stood out in these games, and Panarin. Mm -hmm. No one in the world is going to complain about Artemi Panarin getting more ice time. So exactly. I think it's gone a little under the radar, but I don't know. It made me raise an eyebrow. No, one hundred percent. And I also think to your point about Will Cooley. I mean, I knew from game one of the preseason how much Laviolette liked Cooley, and you know, I we all kind of saw it coming. Him making the roster just in terms of how Laviolette was using him early on in the in the preseason he was he wasn't pairing him with you know Jimmy VC or you know Tyler Pitlick like bottom six guys he was playing with with Heedle he was playing with Mika he was playing with top lineup regular guys so that kind of indicated early on just what Laviolette thought of Cooley and and you know Laviolette has sung his praises, actually, not just not just about his offensive game, but mostly his defensive game. Because, you know, when you've got a rookie in the lineup, you know, you're kind of always holding your breath for those rookie mistakes. Laviolette said there have been no uh-oh moments for Will Cooley, and that's 100 percent true. So, you know, especially with the way this Rangers organization, you know, 
is built in terms of their depth. I mean, they need people to switch over to the right wing desperately. They are so log jammed on the left side. I think Brendan Othman should be strictly playing on the right side in Hartford in, in preparation for coming up to the NHL because they that's what they need. They need a little bit more on the right side. So if Cooley can be adequate at playing both you know that only that not only bodes well for the rangers but it bodes well for cooley and his ice time as well there's one player i want to talk about as one of my final topics here molly and I just last year uh you'll remember the first i don't know three to four months before the helmet throw the the whipping boy of the entire team was jacob truba <laughs> and he's captain of the team it might have been coming with too much responsibility um he definitely was playing injured we never found out what it was but it definitely he, he no matter what happened, his game was off. So far this season, he's looked um, yeah, absolutely incredible. And I just think he's playing with a different sort of edge than he has before. Um, Jacob Truba has been has been battered by this fan base multiple times for, for many, many things. And honestly, after the helmet throw, I really didn't hear a peep about really his contract again or anything else. Yeah. But this year, it looks like sort of like he's this is it. Like he's in his prime. He's ready to roll and he's taking his job very seriously. Has, has that sort of been the tone that you've been feeling as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, if, if you recall, his first season in New York was not the smoothest either. So it only makes sense for his first year as captain, you know, that maybe the same sort of adjustment period was, you know, as expected. Um, but I do think that he's been he's been pretty great for them. I think that the defense as a whole, I mean, I wrote about I think Braden Schneider has has a bit of a rocky, rocky start to the season. And, and that, that Nashville game with Jones was just... Oh, that was that was a really rough night for both of them. And it might have been Schneider's worst game of his young career. But three years in, that's pretty impressive for Schneider. Um, but I think that the defense as a whole has been really, really good. And I think that that's also a testament to test a testament to some continuity. Plus the fact that Eric Gustafson is far and away the most adequate guy that they've had on that third left side of the third pair in recent years. Um, which is giving that third pair a bit of an offensive upside too. Um, so I think that it's it's a defense as a whole has been really great. But yeah, Truba, Truba, I think has really settled into himself not only in New York but in his role as captain. And you know that's a confidence thing and you know a mental thing, and that's always going to go well for a player who's who's feeling that way. Shot, shot, shot to the bow of Ryan's boy Ben Harper. Just going to say that right now. I know Ryan's <laughs> wow. upset about that one. Sorry, um, Ben. <laughs> Molly, I, we, we've heaped a lot of play, praise on LaViolette, deservedly so. Uh, I feel like throughout the season we will also be heaping praise on the Pekkas, the Housleys, and the Muses that make up that coaching staff as well. The Rangers face – everybody listening understands or has said something about how the Rangers are winning faceoffs now. Yeah. Just exactly what impact do you think Pekka specifically has had on this team through the first five games? It it's definitely huge. And look, I mean, even I mean, I don't remember as much with with Quinn because I wasn't around as often. But even under Gallant, you know, they practice faceoffs almost every day, every other day, whatever it is. But I will say that when I watch Pekka with them in the faceoff circle and the types of drills that they're doing, again, it's just different. It's it's more pointed. It's faster. It's just more more teaching too as well um who was i talking to today oh barkley goodrow was telling me that he feels like pekka has really made a significant impact 
on their face-off game and and they've it's translated to the ice in, in game action as well but it they spend more time on it it's been a point of emphasis 100 percent um and i i don't know if it's if it's just pekka or you know just the way that they've been practicing it but it again it's it's just different it's just a lot different and i think the rangers are really taking to it i think that the staff is so unique and and having former players like pekka and Phil Housley are just, you know, it's 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 a, a much different insight um, to be receiving for these Rangers players. So I, I do think that it's um, had a really, really good effect on the team as a whole. My last question for me, this is, I believe, the longest road trip of the entire season for the New York Rangers. Are yes. you happy to get out of the way early? <laughs> yes, and the fact that it's Western Canada, 100%. I mean, Western. even though when we get to Calgary and Edmonton, it's going to be snowing. Um, is it really? Yes, it is. Oh you bet God. your bottom dollar. Yeah, you laugh. Go ahead. You let laugh. Me, let me help you and tell you what it's going to be like on Halloween this year in Philadelphia. 78 degrees. There you go. Oh, so very lovely. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it definitely the fact that we got Buffalo and the Western Canada leg out of the way. Uh, the hockey gods are looking out for us for sure. <laughs> Love to hear yeah. that. Greg, any final questions for our friend? Well, I mean, listen, at least if you're going to if it's going to snow in Edmonton, at least you're also not going to watch Connor McDavid. Let's just do yeah. a twofer right yeah. there. Yeah, that's, that's huge for the Rangers, for sure. Well, yeah, for the Rangers, it's huge. For the NHL, not so good. No, so, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll figure that out. Molly, cannot thank you enough for taking the time in the airport and hanging out with the – bringing those kids on our podcast, which we really enjoyed. <laughs> um, <laughs> anything you want to plug, obviously, up in the blue seats, your New York Post, people can follow you on Twitter. What else? Yeah, check out our new up in the blue seats. and our Brian new, Boyle, baby. My new co-host, Mr. Brian Boyle. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's fun. That's super fun. And, and Larry also makes his appearances as well. So you can yes. also listen to the legend himself, <laughs> the Click King. Molly, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Fly safe. We'll talk to you soon. Of course. Thanks so much for having me, guys. And we're back. Thanks to our guest, whichever one it was. <laughs> Could it be one or two? Who knows? Um, great interview, Greg. Nice job. Thank let's you. Get to some fi- let's get to some five-star questions, and we will read them on the show. Uh the way you leave after five star questions is become a Patreon supporter. It helps Greg and I do this show every single week for the last blah, 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 blah. Become a Patreon supporter. Mm. And then go to our Discord and leave a five star question to the five star question channel, and we read them on the show. That's how it works. Uh, this is from Brettley. Earlier in the off season, Greg called Lavulette missionary sex. Has the start of the season shown that the old dog might have a few different <laughs> positions in the locker we didn't know about? Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, this has got the, the, the record amount of reacts in our chat I've ever seen. So I, I'm sure most of the people listening to this uh, have never been in a loveless marriage where there isn't sex. Okay? okay. Where when you go from not having sex to having missionary. Sca- scared that where you're going here, but I think I see it. Okay, continue. When, when, you, go, when you go from being dry and having yeah, no sex uh, and sleeping in two different beds to having mm-hmm. a loving partner who is willing to. To fornicate. Someone that cares about you, literally. Yeah. Uh, missionary can feel special if you're in a drought. You know what I mean? Right. Also, if, you know, you're you finally have a connection. You're a little bit in love. It's, yeah. It's a different thing. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I don't think. I see I, what you're saying, and I think we've answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think maybe, maybe in these first five games, I've gotten a hint. A hint. That Laviolette might be in the doggy, but even yeah. then, it hasn't really been broached. 
Right, but we, we've opened the drawers and there's no handcuffs yet. We've, no. So we cannot find them. Or leather, for that them. matter. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know about that with Laviolette. Um, so, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is from Ali. Uh, P.K. Subban is, uh, this is a best dress co- comment. P.K. Subban is doing the NHL best dress co- uh, com- completion? Competition? Competition, I guess. I guess competition? On ESPN, now that Hank, bless his sexy Swedish suited self, is retired, who is the Rangers? Who in the Rangers takes the mantle for best dress award? And do they have a shot competing against the NHL's top fashionistas for the coveted award? My oh. pick is Keandre. Your yeah, pick is I was going to say I was going to say Keandre. Though I did like Lindgren's green jacket on opening night, but You're I'm a pretty weirdo. Much go- it's Keandre, and that's kind of it. Um, it used to be Revo as well, who is very well dressed. Uh, <laughs> Revo is now a lightning rod topic in Toronto. Who could have seen that coming? Oh, I, I could talk about that for a while. Oh my god, We're, we should have we should have Steve back on sometime in the season and just ask him Revo related questions for an hour. I think that's that's pretty good. This is from Cole. Why have the past five games all have some cursed element to them? And I'm Cole. I want to say before I read the rest of this question, I'm so glad you asked this because I keep thinking about this as well. Huh? Offsides review against Columbus, the weird penalties against Arizona, the Seattle Lights. What are the gods trying to tell us? <laughs> uh you're a Ranger fan, man. <laughs> what do you want? It's, do you remember the spree when like Tony D'Angelo was like around and doing Tony D'Angelo things, and a week later the Russian government tried to put a hit on Artemi Panarin? <laughs> like this ain't new, my friend. There's a lot uh, of stuff going on. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, it is. It's it's suspicious. I'll say that. This is from Phil S. Will the Broadway hat tradition ever go away? It was started by Brad Richards and Kreider is the only one left from those teams. I think sometimes the tradition just starts starts taking hold, and that's just like kind of what you do around there. And it's just passed down from generation to generation. I don't really see it going away. Yeah. Welcome. I, cool. It just kind of feels like New York sports. Though I will say, I think we'll see if this changes. Next season starts this week or next, this week? This week. Tomorrow, sure. I think. Um, set your fantasy lineup, Ryan, even though you don't have to, uh, we'll see the, the Rangers have, you got to remember these first five games happened when Nick season wasn't happening. So now that the Knicks are back, these things are going to even themselves out, but also we should have known if the light, the lights went out on the Rangers on Saturday, that had to mean every AFC East team was going to lose on Sunday. Cause the jets had a buy. We sh- I should have yes. just made that parlay immediately. That, that would have paid out. There's, the there's a Thanks New York pendulum these days. Uh, as as the world turns, you know, oh, the Yankees mm-hmm. are keeping their entire front office staff. Billy Epler is getting investigated, and he has to resign. It's one of those. The next question is from David: Is this coaching staff good? Also, is Gallant a talky terrorist? Did you listen to the first half of this show? Uh, because I believe we answered all this question. The coaching staff has done a, a, a tremendous job. I have I have no no notes at this point. Uh, it, it's nice to see the, the way they're running practices as well through whatever videos Molly, Colin, and Vince provide to us. Mm. Um, Sean Carlson asks, the NHL emergency goaltender rule is quite unique to the sport. What other sports would you like to see something similar, and why is it QB in the NFL? No, I can't be QB in the NFL, man. Well, they also it, fixed, it, the, it, they fixed the QB rule. Um, they did? Yeah, because remember last year where the Niners ran out of quarterbacks in the playoffs and had to – play Brock right. Purdy who needed Tommy John because his elbow yes. got blown up in the first quarter. So now NFL teams are allowed to essentially carry an emergency backup where they can keep a third quarterback on the sideline. And if the first two get injured, he can then enter, enter the game. Um, hmm. So like, that's why Trey Lance is always on the sideline with the Cowboys. Yeah. 
So the NFL oh, fixed the, the NFL fixed that rule for quarterbacks. I think a, pit, a pitcher off the street, if you're down ten nothing, you can just get a guy from the stands. I think That's you should. I think sick. you should. Well, there, have you seen that tweet? I know Fitz retweets it every the, now. And I then. love that tweet. Uh, it the, absolutely hit the, the, the ceremonial first pitch. How about the ceremonial last pitch? Bases loaded, two out in the ninth inning. Here's Danny DeVito. Um, <laughs> Dude, that's awesome idea. I do think. By I do way, think. Yeah, if, if if a baseball team's getting blown out, they should just have dudes in the stands that can throw a baseball sixty miles an hour. Yeah, just go for it. Just get shelled. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. If you're damn. if you're throwing a position pitcher, you you put up the white flag. You you're not yeah. expecting to win a baseball game with Lucas Duda on the mound. So just no, bring I, someone in from the stands. That'll get people to stay. You want to talk about trying to keep people in the ballpark? Shit, if people see a team getting a team blown out, they'll probably run to the ballpark Bro, to try to be the guy. Ask if I'm changing the channel of a guy from the stands <laughs> is pitching to a major <laughs> Shohei Otani leading off for the Angels, and he's facing, looks like his name is Phil Steck. Phil Steck. Phil Steck throws. It's gone! Otani <laughs> <laughs> oh, to the upper right tech. But if they, the you know what? The, the if they do that, they'd probably have to put up like the old L screen uh, in front of the pitching mound because of it. Like, yeah. sure. No, make every fan sign a waiver when they come to the ballpark. You and, may and be also, selected. You can fans can opt out. This is easy yeah, paperwork. This is, this is so we, good. We created we created a database where people had to say if they had a COVID test or not to go to mm-hmm. a sporting event. We can't create the same database to be like. If a scenario occurred where the home team or road team is winning or l- losing by 10 plus runs, are you willing to pitch? And you just check yes or no. Yes. And you say, I've read and accept all terms and conditions, even though Lord knows you haven't, because none of us have ever read we, a single terms and conditions and in our life. With the power of AI, we would never have. And the power of AI, we reanimate Bob Barker and he comes out on the field and goes, come on down. He calls the name. They do the whole thing. The lights. Oh, this is amazing. Uh, why Such aren't a- we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to myself into this so hard. Oh, imagine. Uh, oh, my God. Give me a 12-year-old, Ryan, who, like, gets selected one day, thinks he's hot shit, and then takes a line drive to the dome from, like, but, Evan but, Longoria. But, if, but also, if, what if he strikes out like Bryce Harper? It, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, the, 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 the gift is forever. Oh, my like, God. We need this. We, we did this so bad. All right, this is uh, an actual serious question from Maddie Jack. Wait, that wasn't was a serious there. question? No. <laughs> Can you compare this team to the 2012 roster? No. No. How was the league then versus now? I don't know. Five game, five game overreactions aside, I feel like we may have lightning in a bottle with this roster construction. Matthew, you and I talk very often, so I, I think you know I agree. Um, I will say just l- briefly looking at the 2012 roster, uh, look, Henrik Lundqvist and Igor Shesterkin, probably a wash there. I know that sounds crazy to say, but they are uh, pretty equal uh, in skill. I'm going I'm going to the hockey reference here. Give me a second. I yeah, I have to, it I need open. to actually... It's just the forward group is not nearly as palpable. The Flyers as, currently as have, have the most the points. Today. The Flyers have the most points that are in first place in the Metropolitan. This is exactly why I don't... Like, just stop looking at... Uh, stop, stop looking at NHL standings. Yeah, like Ryan Clowney is still on this team. Callahan's around. Like I know he's the captain at this point. Uh, you think his name's like, Clowney and not Chloe? There's no why N call in his last name. I, I don't you know suck why I did this, that. man. I don't know what to tell I, you. I do. Broussard obviously is there, but like Filipino is night and day better than Derek Broussard. I, I I'm no, but sure. I think the general question is: this team had like the Rangers can roll four lines and not feel bad about it, right? That's the that's, that's the general depth. construction. Yep, but yeah, the oh God, I forgot this was a strike shortened year because you see the games played and yep. step on is the only step on and Carl Haglin and Taylor Pyatt are the only guys uh, 
to play 48 games and have more than 11 points. Boy, what a time to be alive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was like, a solid Nash team. Is a, is, a, is a star on this team, but outside of that, it's yeah. It's it, kind of, it's I mean, Gabrick's here. Uh, yep. Brad Richards is here. It, it's guys sure, with big Brad names. Richards is like a shell of himself, and in some yeah, ways, I, I didn't feel. I I felt like there were no holes on that team, but there's no Zibanejad, Panarin upside, and your young players, Derek Stepan. Like I expect Phil Heedle to be more dynamic. Yeah, I expect Derek Phil Heedle to be more dynamic than Derek Stepan. I expect Alexi Lafreniere to be more dynamic than Matt Zuccarello. Like the, it, um. Derek Broussard, I expect Capocacco to be better than Derek Broussard. You go down the list and it's like, I get what he's saying where that's a team that lacked holes on the New York Rangers, but it also kind of lacked the ceiling. And I do it, think it there's... Had a, it had a, a higher floor than this squad, than we only have now. Did it? What's our floor? Like, what's the, know. oh it's... shit, things are going terribly here. You still You're have... Right. Like, again, the... You have Zibanejad, Kreider, Panarin, Trocek, uh, and then you have Kako, Hedl, Lafreniere in terms of young guys. And then on defense, you still have Keandre Truba, Fox, Lindgren. What? What's Ryan? What's the floor? the The floor is third right. in the Metropolitan. Like this team is really good. It's extremely good. You're yeah, right. the, I, I look no, at that no. roster. I can see a scenario where Hank gets hurt that they don't make the playoffs. I think even yeah. if Igor gets hurt, we won't win the playoffs, but we'll make it. That, I, it's hard not to imagine they do, especially the way they're constructed. They're, it's just a, the offensive firepower on this squad is just really serious. And as, as long as Adam Fox is healthy and running the whole quarterback, that's kind of it. Um, this is for pure guts. Greg, what happens if you – what happens to you if Mad Max twirls a gem and gets the Texas to the World Series? Especially if this is, is hours after the Phillies make the World Series. Which, who, who, by the way, Scherzer pitching game seven tonight. Them is the question here, essentially. He yes. ain't pitching a gem. That's what I know. I would be I'd be shocked. Like this, we're, Let's not go into it because it's happening tonight and this will be old. Yeah, but the yeah. OT is going to be depressing if Scherzer throws a gem and the Phillies make the World Series. Like, Period. I, yes. I don't look forward to that OT, if I'm, if I'm being honest. That OT sounds like it's right. going to stink. Rightfully so. Um, this is from TSE uh, 1231. With the running joke that Key is an average skater after a certain article, what's the worst public sports take you can remember aside from a certain thought of Mahomes? <laughs> uh, I wonder who had the Mahomes thought. Yeah, uh, that's weird. Man. I'm going to think on this one, man. Like, I feel like we've gone through this a lot recently. The Kreider trade one from Greg. Like, I, I've had a ton of terrible takes over the years. The Kreider trade ones, I still don't think it's bad. You had some justification for it. Yeah. It just, like, turned out to be a gem. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, we were trying to trade that man at the deadline before he signed an extension, too. Yeah, And he wasn't Chris Kreider yet. Nobody, when we were having the Chris Kreider conversation, even you, Ryan, couldn't say that at the age of 28 he was suddenly going to score 50 goals. No one said he was going to be a 50-goal scorer. Nobody. Nobody. The the argument was, is he a good enough complementary foundational piece where you can or can't Can he become the tip king? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. I that you keep you keep lumping Kreider into this conversation. Something unforeseen happened in Chris Kreider's career. That's unfair to then lump that conversation in. He took a leap that was unprecedented and unlike anything we've really seen in NHL history. I'm not taking that. I'm not taking that. I got out. a couple. I'm thinking of it. Uh, Leah Sanderson, if if you're given the time, is an appropriate third C 
player. But well, who knows? Okay. I don't know. His, like Him and Kravtsov had their development so effed up by a lot of what the Rangers did, and frankly, their unwillingness to put the work in, too. We can't put all the blame on the Rangers. Some blame has to go to the players, but uh-huh. who knows? Like, with, with young – I don't – most young player takes throw them out. You're going to be I wrong. Adam McClendenning was a serious NHL defenseman. <laughs> there you go. Did you see that he signed overseas today or yesterday? No, I didn't. Yeah, Good he couldn't him, get man. an AHL contract, so he went he went Europe bound. Get those checks, Adam. Um, get them checks. I'm trying to think of one. I don't really. I'm I'm smart. I don't think I have any bad ones. No, yeah, we, no bad takes. Yeah, uh, buddy, you and I were big Mickey Callaway guys. We were huge <laughs> Mickey Callaway yeah. guys. Now hold on. No. That one's rough. Yeah, so not only did he turn out to be a bad manager, but a bad dude. But we were big yeah. Mickey Calloway guys. It's just the vibes were there, man, until they really weren't. Oh, my oh. God. weren't They were not, they, buddy. They were not. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Howard You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We'll be back later this week, Thursday night with BSBOT. So we'll see you guys then. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, it's the end of the show. That's the part where I read all the names for NHL Insider Club members uh, who make this show possible every single week. And I probably mispronounced some. Adam Cassie, Adam Cohen, Adam Cortula, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alan, Alex Garter, Amber Cohensberger, Andrew Rohner, Anthony Gray, Ma- Anthony Marturo, Anthony Tanagretta. Nailed it this week. Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bennett Lomayer, Bill Olson, Bill Rattel, Brian, Brian, Brandon Lacos, Brandon Magnum, Brett Granger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doherty, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Brian Farrell, Cassidy, Cassidy Rollman, Chris Finelli, Chris Howard, CJ Stelwick, and Cowboy Damage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dizen, David Narrative, David Siegel, Dennis Dites, Garrett Rainis. Greg talks about the Master of Sex. <laughs> it still makes me funny. I gotta maybe one day we'll change that one, but it still makes me laugh. Uh, Gretzky fly Hayek waivers. Yep, Harrison Hasco. Man, Hayek, man, what's he up to these days? Hello, Vanilla. Hip Hip Nine. Jack Bagley. James Masker. Jamie Marquez. Jason Stumer. Jason Zabraski. Jimmy Mack. John Hardesty. John Shea. Johnny Thundercock. Jordan. Josh Kessebaum. Josh White. Chris Florida. Leshik Gronowski. Lou Giordano. Matthew Goodwin. Matthew Kai. Meatball the Cat. Mike Mike Koenig. Mike Bucklaw, Mike Manascu, Mancuzu. I don't know why I did that. That was weird. Mike Pasternak, Nate Hanafi, Neil Grover, Elder Slash, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kodrip, which is the wrong last name, Pavel. I'm so sorry. Phoenix Rotation, Fugis <laughs> Disparo, Pro War 6 Gamer, Randy Tesser, Swangard, The Drop PK, Thomas Declary, Tommy Sadeshi, Tommy O'Neill, Tony Gregory, Tor from Manhattan, Vinny Bracco, Wayne E. Will Spectre, and Winston the Golden Retriever. Bark, Diddy, bark, 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 bark. All right. Other fun episodes in the books. We're either, there's two options here. Where they're going to be back on Wednesday, or we're going to be back on Friday with BSBOT. Depending on what happens with the Flames game, just a stinker, probably going to pass it. If it's something goes crazy, we'll probably record. So, um, love you guys as always. Follow us on Twitter and all that lovely garbage. And thanks for supporting on Patreon. It makes us keep doing the show. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye.